It's one of my favorite things about being a pastor is getting to connect with our people. Uh, this past week, I got to do that a few different times. One of the times was going out to lunch with uh, one of our members, just an incredible guy who's not only a great member, but uh, also serves by being the chair of our personnel committee. And their job is to, to make sure that we're taking good care of our staff. And so he wanted to make sure that I was doing okay, so he invited me out to lunch. That's, I want you to get this. This is a, a guy, Jim, a guy named Jim, uh, Jim Niza. If you haven't heard us, we've been praying for him for some time now because he's been fighting and battling off cancer. So I want you to think about this is a guy who's got enough on his plate, and yet he's reaching out to me to make sure that I'm doing okay. And he wants to get together with me. And as I approached the table uh, to see Jim, I reached out my hand to shake it, and I realized quickly that his hand, uh, well, he couldn't shake my hand because his arm was in a sling. And being an ever-compassionate, loving, gracious pastor that I am, I went, what in the world did you do? <laughs> and so Jim was able to share with me how uh, he was trying to help his neighbor out and doing some maintenance stuff he had to get down in the water for and doing some, putting a plug in or something that he really shouldn't be doing, uh, dealing with cancer. And it turned out that uh, there was a spot of cancer on one of his bones in his arm. And when he got down there and just the water pressure and whatnot, it snapped his arm in two. And uh, Jim, then he shared with me that he went to the doctor to see a doctor. The doctor wanted to keep him over the weekend uh, to be able to set it in place because he didn't quite know uh, what their next step would be. And so he said, Jim, I want to keep you here, keep you on some strong pain meds and uh, help set that in place until we know what's next. And Jim said, I really, don't, I really don't want to be in the hospital all weekend. Can you just send me home? The doctor was like, Jim, nothing's going to get better that way. It's not going to work, but fine. If you want to go home, here's some, we'll send you with some meds and we'll send you home. While I was on his way home, you know, Jim shared with me, he said, look, I, I was talking to God and I just was going, really, God? Really? Is this really what I need right now? With everything else I have going on, really a broken arm too. And let's be real, if that was you or me, what would we be thinking? The same thing, right? I was thinking it for Jim. I was going, really, Jim? You're like, this is what you need? Really, God, this is what he needs? The guy's been going through so much and has such an incredible heart. It makes me think about... What are those times in our life where we ask God, really? Really, God? Those challenges in our life, those challenges in our faith. What is it that challenges your faith the most? I want you to think about that. Now, for Jim, you know, the cancer, and just one more thing after one more thing after one more thing. For you, what is it? Is it a health concern? Is it a struggle with something, an ailment, maybe a mental or emotional struggle? Maybe a struggle within your family or a relationship, financially or at a job. What is it for you? And I want you to be real about this. I want you to think about this. I know for me, I'll be real with you. For me, it's thinking about trying to figure out how to be a full-time single dad to three little crazy boys. <laughs> All right? Looking at other people and going, man, they have it so much easier. God, what did I do? that I can't have it easy? What did I do that, I, that my marriage couldn't be healed? What did I do that you know, my boys still have to struggle through so many different things? And I'm being real with you because I do. I want you to be real with yourself. If you looked at your outline today, there's some blanks on the page. We don't do that a lot. But surprise, I did it today. I'm going to make you pay attention to fill in the blank. And I want you to take the time to really think about what is it for you that challenges your faith the most? What is it that gets in the way? Maybe it's something for you. Maybe it's just about the struggles of our world, the things that are around us. Because here's the reason I want us to think about that. It's in times of tr trials that our security gets shaken. It's in times of trials that we start to wonder and question. And I think our security gets shaken because so often our security is built on those things which we feel we're in control of. And when it gets taken out of our control, our health 
goes away or something else comes around that we can't seem to figure out or figure out how to fix, our security gets shaken. And we start to think, well, man, I, I don't think this could ever get better. And why do we think that? Because we can't fix it. We can't be in control. So I want to challenge you. I hope that whatever you're writing down, I hope that whatever that is, it's something that you truly think about. And when you think about it, you go, it would be impossible for this to get better. It would be unbelievable if this ever got better. Here's why. Today, as we talk about the unbelievable, as we talk about this idea of healing, I want us to own the fact and realize the fact that our God owns the unbelievable. And so when you look at that sheet and you look at what you're struggling with, you look at what uh, faces you right now, what you're staring at right now, I hope that you realize that our God owns the unbelievable. As we've been walking through this series, Pastor Craig did a great job of kicking us off last week uh, with this idea of what are we looking at when we talk about miracles. When we talk about miracles, this is our definition we're working with, is when God chooses, we always want to, this is God, this is God's choice, right? When God chooses to work outside the natural means he has put into place. And the reason this is our definition is because so often our God actually works through the natural, and that's a good thing, right? This is not an either or, it's a both and. Uh, I love this, this is a simple to me, it's kind of a funny verse to prove that our God is okay with the natural. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy apparently had some stomach issues, so Paul says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent, frequent ailments. Anybody else want that diagnosis? <laughs> right? Drink a little wine, buddy. It'll be okay. Oh, yes, sir. I will do my best, right? My best. Children should not be raising their hands at that one. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> that caught me off guard right there. All right. So this is the truth, right? Our God works so often through the natural. Just as Jim prayed for healing for his broken arm, he still went to his doctor. When I was struggling with depression, right, I prayed for healing, but I still went to a counselor and a psychiatrist. For us, for all of us, I want us to realize this is not an either or, it's a both and. God works through it all. Right, he works through the natural. So you have doctors, you have nurses, you have financial planners, you have support groups, you have all these people that are out there to support you, medication, whatnot. We're not against that. That's a good thing. God is working through that as well. So we want you to realize that. The thing I want to push us on, though, is so often I think we focus on the natural because even though it's actually God working through the natural, we feel some control there. Well, I'm going to the doctor. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take my medicine. This is me. And so we feel more at peace about that, and we forget about the unbelievable, the supernatural that God wants to do in our lives. And what I want you to realize is the same God that created this world with a word, the same God that divided waters, that flooded the earth, that raised the dead, the same God that did all of that is the same God that you just sang to, that you just prayed to. He's the same God who wants to do the unbelievable in your life. Amen. It's the same God that throughout the New Testament, we saw Jesus over and over again do miraculous works in people's lives. That is the same Jesus that we now pray to. He's the same one that now wants to be involved in your life. Whatever your struggle or ailment might be, Jesus wants a chance to do the unbelievable. And so what I thought we would do is kind of look back and see one of my favorite times that Jesus chose to do some healing. Uh, and that's a time when uh, an opportunity literally fell in his lap. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 5. It's on page 861 in the Bibles in your chairs in front of you, if in the front row, they're underneath you. And we say this every week, but I want you to hear this. If you don't have a Bible of your own, please take the one that you're holding home with you because the most uh, precious gift we could ever give to you would be the Word of God. 
All right, so take that home with you. We'll replace it. Don't worry about it. That is our gift to you, best gift we could ever give. If you're joining us online, thanks so much for hanging out with us via live stream. Make sure you, uh, to go to BibleGateway.com and plug in Luke 5, 17 to 26. That's our text for today. So we're going to look at, as we read this, is we're going to look at an account where Jesus has an opportunity to heal, and we're going to learn a little bit of, okay, when Jesus heals, what, what does he do? Why does he do it? And what's the purpose behind it? So here we go. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. And I want you to catch this. Pharisees and teachers of the law, for my boys, everything is good guys, bad guys. So they would say, Dad, are these the bad guys? I'd say, yes, guys, these are the bad guys, right? These are the bad guys in the story. They are there not for good reason. They don't actually want to learn from Jesus. They're there to try and catch him, right? They want to try and prove that he is not who he says he is, that he is not who everybody else says he is. So they were sitting there, and they had come from, get this, from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, from all over the place. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus." And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. I don't know if that's man, your sins are forgiven, or man, your sins are forgiven. Anyway, (laughs) that's, that's my take. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this? That's who speaks blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he didn't even hear because they're just thinking that when he perceived it, he answered them. He goes, why do you question in your hearts? He said, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk? But that you may know, catch this, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God in amazement. Amazement seized them all, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the bad guys, seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary, unbelievable things today. So as we look at this story, as we look at this true account of our Jesus, the same Jesus that we pray to, that we pray for healing from, as we look at this, what we're going to see is when Jesus chooses to heal, there's a few things. The first thing is always responding to faith, right? He's responding to faith. We see that in 520, right? When he saw their faith, when he saw their faith. Now, I want you to get this so often, it's very easy in church circles uh, to get to this idea, the opposite of this. Like, if you don't have enough faith, Jesus isn't going to heal you. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what this text is saying. This is not a judgment of how much faith they had. This is saying, look, because they had faith, this is why Jesus was responding. And it's to point out it's not about their works. It's not about their effort. It's about that they had this this real and this raw faith in Jesus. I mean, they were willing to do anything just to get their friend in front of Jesus because they just knew that Jesus would do something for them. They just knew it. And it was Jesus responding to that faith. And so when we go to our God, we we go almost as beggars going, God, I don't know, but I know I just got to get in front of you. I got to get it in front of you. Whatever this is, whatever I'm facing, whatever it is that you wrote down on your piece of paper, God, I just got to get it to you because I know, I know you can do something with it. I mean, think about the passion that this guy's buddies had. Passion and, you know, there's also a group of dudes. And if you've ever known a group of dudes, they sometimes come up with some weird ideas. Right? I mean, we all had some of those friends back in the day that were like, dude, I got an idea. 
let's go to the roof, right? That poor guy on the mat had to be like, no. No, I don't want to go to the roof. I'm good. I'm on the mat. I'll be okay. I've been on the mat. I'll be on the mat. Let's go home, right? I mean, we all have those friends of ours that have ideas. I mean, I remember back in my college days, my, my buddies would always have great ideas. And apparently none of us had common sense to go, no, that's terrible. <laughs> no, we might die. We shouldn't do that. You know, I'll never forget in our dorm rooms, uh, you know, you had the choice to either bunk your beds or loft your beds. The whole idea was to give yourself some more space. And my buddies go, dude, if you should bunk them or you should loft them, we should do and. We should bunk them and then loft them. Yeah, so an armoire is this tall. And then a bunk bed was almost at the ceiling. My buddy had to be like a spider monkey to get to his bed every night. These are the kind of ideas that come from a group of dudes going, I got an idea, right? And that's what we have here. We have these guys going, I got an idea. But why? Because they were so passionate that Jesus can do something. And so Jesus is responding to their faith going, man, they, they just knew it. They trusted me. The other thing I want us to get is he heals never to defend himself, never. And this is key, because I think a lot of times as we put ourselves in Jesus' shoes, we think, okay, how would I be responding in this situation? And we go, okay, if I was really the son of God, and I had these bozos who were going, yeah, show me what you can do, guess what I would do? I would show them what I could do. I'm going to heal this guy so you know how good I am, right? That's what we would do. Jesus doesn't do it. You know why? He doesn't do it for that reason, because he's not insecure and frail like you and, I, like you and me. Right? He is not an insecure human being. He is the Son of God, and he knows he's the Son of God, not because you believe it, but because he is. And so he wasn't doing it to prove to the Pharisees or the teachers of the law that he really was Jesus for his own sake. I want you to get this. What does he say? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority. That you may know. I want you to get this. He had already forgiven the man his sins, and I'm sure his buddies were like, uh, it's not the order we put in. Right? We weren't doing forgiveness, but I guess that's good. But for him, that's what Jesus gave. Jesus gave forgiveness of sins. So then he heals him, but he does so why? That you may know, all of you, not the paralyzed guy. He didn't look at him and said that you may know. No, he had forgiveness of sins. His future, his eternity was secure. Jesus took care of what was most important for him. So why does Jesus heal? Always in advancing God's plan. Always in advancing God's plan. He didn't heal for his sake. He healed for theirs. So that you might know that I've got this. So that you might know that I have the authority and the power to heal. And guess what? I have the authority and the power to forgive your sins. That you would have an eternity that is far better than what you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. That's far better than even being healed here. And we see the proof of that. We see what happens, right? And amazement sees them all. And they glorify God. And they were filled and say, we've seen unbelievable, amazing things today. And I think it's hard for us. Because so often when we pray for healing for ourselves or for someone we care about, we're praying because we want to feel better. We want that healing for me. Or we want them to feel better, so we're praying for them, and we want them to be healed. And guess what? God's okay with that. But that's not why he heals. He didn't heal for the paralyzed guy. He healed for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He healed for them out there. 
and he healed and he made a difference to where these guys who were the bad guys all of a sudden were leaving the house proclaiming how good God is. And they were talking about the very guy that they were there to discredit. That's unbelievable. I challenge you with though, the next thing is even more unbelievable than that. It's not just that Jesus has that power. But see, our God gives us the power of the unbelievable. Once you think about this idea of healing and being able to bring about healing in people's lives, and you might go, well, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a surgeon, I I can't give out medicine. That's not what this is talking about. This is the supernatural stuff. This is the unbelievable stuff. See, our God gives you and gives me the power of the unbelievable. It says in John 14, this is Jesus saying, truly, truly, right? What does he say? Come on, guys, get this. Really, 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 I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Who believes in him? Guess what he's talking about? You. He's talking about you. You get to be a part of the unbelievable. You get to bring about healing in the lives of others. You get to pray for people. You get to say, Lord, heal them right here and right now in this place. And guess what? Jesus says you have the power to do it. And why? So that they feel better, sure. But bigger than that, so that they would know so that you might know, so that those that are around them, those that hear the stories later, might know. Because that's what God is doing. He is helping you to own your influence, to own your influence even in healing, because it's the same thing. The power comes from God to us, to others. Why? So that more and more might know about the goodness of our God. So that more and more might be able to hear the stories of healing. They might be able to hear the stories of the amazing and the unbelievable. And go, oh, Maybe there's something to this Jesus. Because that's what he did. He always advanced God's plan. And he wants to advance God's plan through you. As you own your influence, as you heal, as you pray, as you help bring about healing, not just for the sake of health right now, but for the sake of eternity for tomorrow. I know as I talk about this, the biggest question on our minds, the biggest question on our hearts, the thing that that makes us struggle the most. I mean, I just did some hospital visits this week. I had a funeral this week. Like, we know that Jesus doesn't always heal. So that question that floats around is, why doesn't he? If he does it for the sake of his kingdom advancing, if he does it for all these good reasons, why doesn't he always heal? Why is the answer not always yes? And I'm always very real with you, and I'll be real with you again. I can't give you a 100% answer. I can't give you an answer of why you're healed and I'm not or why your situation got healed and yours didn't. I can't always give that reason. But here's what I want to point us to. I want to point us to the bigger picture because the reality is that our God said all the way from the beginning of time, he made it clear that he was not going to heal all the time. He made it clear that he was not going to heal on this earth all the time, that he was not always going to say yes to this. So we look back to Genesis 3. This is right after. So God created the world with words, right? He just said, let there be, and there was. He created this world, created everything in it, all for, you know, whose sake? For our sake. He created this beautiful world for man to live in because he loved man. He loved us so much. And man came to this world, was, you know, was put on this world. And then after receiving this gift from God, quickly turned their back on him. 
and said, God, thanks, but we want to do it our own way. And they rebelled against God, and they sinned against him. And they said, you know, there was one thing, one thing they couldn't do, and they did it. And so God had to deal with that. And so after that, this is what God says. And Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Did you catch that? He must not live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove, drove the man out, I want you to get this, it wasn't even an angel, right? It says God. After he drove them out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth. I think the cherubim would have been enough for me. What about you? No? Flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life because they would not live forever. And when we read verses like this, we go, man, God was mad. Man, was he mad at them. He was going to stop them from living forever because that was their punishment. That was what they were going to face because of what they did. See, just one verse before this, though, it says this about God. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So one of the things that happened when they sinned is they realized they were naked. They, they felt shame for the first time. For the first time ever, they felt shame. And so God lovingly made clothes for them and clothed them. So I want to challenge us is when, when we read that other stuff, when we read just three verses later, do we really think that God went from going, let me take care of you, let me clothe you, let me be there for you, to get out of my garden, I'm mad at you. Really, three verses later? No. So why? Why was he protecting them from the tree? Because that's what he was doing. He was stopping them from eating from the tree of life because his goal was never for us to live forever in this state. That's why we know he was never going to heal all ways, all the time. Because our God's goal was not for us to live in this world now the way it is, forever. See, this world is, is full of pain and suffering and tears and heartache and heartbreak. And so God said, I can't let them live in this forever. I can't subject them to an eternity of this. I want to bring them home. I want to bring them to heaven, the heaven that I'm now going to design for them that is, was, is what, what this world was always supposed to be, perfect and painless. And so I've got to be able to bring them home, and in order to bring them home, guess what has to happen? We have to die. And so all the way back then, God made it clear we were never going to always be healed on this earth. But why? Because our God has the bigger picture in mind. See, where we want more of this good life, and I know we joke about it not being a good life, but if it wasn't so good, why would we cling so hard to it? Where we want more of this good life, God wants us to have all of the best life. So often, we try to cling to this world and we get mad at God because he doesn't heal us in this world, and the reality, he's going, look, you've got faith, you have everything already. You have the best life to come. I remember serving in a church in Texas at the time. There's a couple of books that came out from pastors in my area. One was uh, Your Best Life Now, and another pastor in my area wrote another book that said The Best is Yet to Come. There's nothing wrong with praying for the best life now, but let's be real. The best is yet to come. Amen. And that's what our God wants for us. 
That's what his hope is for us, because he has the big picture in mind, and that's why our hope and our faith and everything is based on, is rooted in who God is and not on what God does. So as we look to our God for healing, as we look for hope, here's the thing. We don't base our faith on whether he chooses to heal or not. No, we base it on the fact that our God is good. That's why the old saying goes what? God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Right? It's not, well, God's good if he heals me, or God's good if he does what I need him to do, or God's good if he does what I've directed him to do. No, God is good all the time. And it is in that goodness that's what we have our faith in. That's what we trust in because our God has the bigger picture in mind. Because our hope is in him and not in our healing. And I want you to put your, your issue there, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you wrote there, right? Our, our hope is in him and not in our health or our finances, our relationships, our reputation, whatever it is for you. See, our hope is in him. That's why I love being able to meet with Jim and hear his story because his story didn't end on Friday. Say, on Monday, he went back to the doctor. The doctor looked at the x-rays and he came back and said, Jim, Jim, this is impossible. John, Jim, this is unbelievable. Jim said, what? He goes, my arm's still broken. He goes, yeah, it's still broken. But he said, he said it's, it's better than what would have happened if you would have stayed in the hospital. And Jim says, yeah, God's good. And the doctor goes, he's better than me. And Jim left that appointment, and he got in his car, and he cried, and he thanked his God. He still has cancer, still a broken arm. But he saw a glimpse of when God moves and when God works, it's for the sake of those that they might know. What he saw was how his doctor had the opportunity to see God at work firsthand, to be able to say, I have seen something unbelievable today. Unbelievable. I never thought that could happen. And he was able to do what? Point him back to God. So here's the thing. We don't stop doing the natural. We don't stop going to our doctors, to our surgeons, to our therapists, to our support groups. We don't stop doing the natural. So what do we do as we own our influences? We try to help those. We try to get help ourselves. What do we do? We pray for that healing. We pray for that unbelievable. We don't just focus on the natural and forget about the same God who healed that paralytic on the mat is the same God who wants to heal you and heal those around you. Why? For the sake of those, that they might know you already have faith. You have the faith of Jesus that sustains you and that will sustain you from now into eternity. And what he wants is for you now, you to be healed and others to be healed, to point others that don't yet have that faith, that yet don't yet have that opportunity to know about the goodness of God. For you to point them to that and say, this is why I was healed. Not because I deserve it, not because I'm good enough, because God is so good. And so we heal and we come to him and we say, God, heal me. God, heal me. Even if you don't, my hope is not in my healing. My hope is in you, but God, heal me. So that maybe, just maybe, those might know, they might know how good you are. And so today, here's what I want to do. I know each and every one of you, every single one of you has something that you could write on that piece of paper. Every one of you has a pain or an ache or a struggle or a diagnosis or a fear or a relationship falling apart or a job falling apart. Something in the midst of the chaos is happening to you.
And here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray for healing. I want us to pray for healing today. We're not just going to hope it better. We're going to give it to the God that we have hope in, the ultimate healer and protector and provider. And so here's what we have during our closing song today. You are going to not be afraid to go and get prayed for. You are not going to be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. And you're going to stop worrying about what others might think of you. And our prayer partners are going to be in the back of the room. They're going to be in the back of the room. Why? So that you don't feel like you're coming up so you can actually hear them pray. And we're going to make it easy on you. I want every single person, if you can, to get up there and go back there and get prayed for. Get prayed for whatever it is that you're facing. Don't miss an opportunity. Don't let fear stop you from receiving what God wants to do in you today. Why? Sure, so that you're healed. But also so that you're healed so that they might know, those that are out there might know the goodness of our God. So let's stand to our feet. Let's sing out this song. And as we do, let's not hesitate to get out of our comfort zones, to head on back and to be prayed for. Because we never know what God might want to do in your life for the sake of those. Father God, right now in this place, God, I pray for you to move. God, I pray that... I pray that we would know that we'd be so desperate for a chance at your healing, that we'd be so desperate for a chance at a touch from you, God, that we would dig through a roof tile. God, we don't even have to do that. We have those that they have your gift as well, just as we do, they do too, God, and they are out, they're right there in the back of this place, ready to pray for us, to pray over us, to bring healing to our life and our situation, because God, you own the unbelievable. And so God, right now, God, I just pray for every single person. God, I know there are schedules to be thought of, there are things ready to go and do, but God, you want to bring healing for the hope and the help of others, and God, I pray. I pray that to every person that hears my voice, God, whether it's right here in this place where you can walk right to the back of the room and get prayed for, or whether it's online as you could send your prayer request to prayer at skchurch.org, God, whatever it is, God, I pray that those prayers would be sought after, God, that we would go after those prayers of healing and of hope. And God, I pray for that. I pray that there would be a movement in this place, God, that would stir up our hearts. I feel like right now we are just stuck, so stuck in the natural that we know we've got this. We're taking the medications. We're going to see our doctors. We're doing what we need to do. And God, I ask you to stir up in the hearts of every single person in this room that they would be driven, driven to go and get more of you. God, I pray for that right now in this place. As your spirit fills this place, God, stir up in our hearts that where you offer more, God, may we ask for more. Because, God, you give it. Because, God, you are good all the time. And it's in that goodness that we have our hope. It is in that goodness that we have our security. Because, God, we put our hope and our faith and our trust in you and not in our circumstances. So God, thank you for being a loving God, for loving us in and through every situation, and for now giving us the opportunity to receive a real and a true, honest healing from you. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, receive his blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace, give you his hope, give you his healing, but most importantly, give you himself. 
that you would cling to him day in and day out. And church, don't you leave this place without going, going to get prayed for right now. Let's do it. Let's receive that healing from him. We love you. We'll see you next week.